grace and peace, love and mercy from God our Father, through Jesus Christ, our risen Savior and Lord. Amen. The text for our meditation this evening certainly will flow out of those words that we just confessed, the meaning, Luther's meaning to the first article of the Apostles' Creed. Our Old Testament reading, Genesis 2, 7 to 17, especially verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, work is a gift from God. I want you to ponder that statement. Work is a gift from God. Now, most of the time it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't seem like it. Work is something that we avoid at all costs. Little on, we are taught to long for the day when we can stop working. I've had many people tell me, oh, life is backwards. I wish I could retire first during my good years and then, and then work later on. How many times don't we treat work as if it is evil, or at least a necessary evil? But God's word is clear. There is no sin in the world at the point when we are reading these words from Genesis chapter 2. God creates Adam. He takes the dust that he has already made. He shapes it into the shape of a human being. He breathes into the dirt. The dirt comes alive. Adam, the first man. He takes Adam, the crown jewel of his creation, and places him in the Garden of Eden, this place of perfection that he too has crafted. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. Work is a gift of God. That's God's design. That's God's plan. Now, we know that this isn't the end of the story, right? Adam is alone. God in his love and grace and mercy gives him a helpmeet. He takes a chunk out of Adam. He creates the woman. Out of one, he makes two. God's gift to Adam in his wife. That's right. Look around. Your spouse is your gift from God. And then God institutes marriage to become one flesh. This one flesh union, this mysterious gift that God gives 
It's a gift. There is no sin at this point. Creation, life, work, marriage, all of these are given to us by God before sin comes into the world. There can be nothing bad or evil inherent in it. Genesis 3 follows Genesis 2. And we see the consequences of sin crashing down on God's perfect creation. Marriage, instead of being this joyful, peaceful union, will sometimes be a clash of wills. That's sin. And oh, by the way, when it comes to work, God's word is clear. Genesis 3, beginning at verse 17. And to Adam God said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. What did Adam do? For his work in the Garden of Eden, we don't really know. God doesn't tell us. He didn't pull weeds because there were none. He didn't sweat and toil because that is a consequence of sin. He worked. His work was a gift of God. And this gift was a joy to him. Everything that is bad with regard to work is a result of sin. But that does not change the fact that work is a gift of God. Now, any gift can be abused or misused. And that happens all too much in our world. Why does anybody work? Have you ever thought about that? Ask somebody the question, why do you work? Most of the time they will respond with, because I have to. Not because they want to, but because they have to. They have to, why? Well, maybe to make mom and dad happy, but more often it's to earn money to pay the bills. I wanna have a place to live, a vehicle to drive, clothes on my back, food in my belly. I want to support my family. Money doesn't fall from the sky, so I work. How many times do we pause and give thanks for the fact that we have a job? That God has given us 
our eyes, our ears, and all of our members, our reason, and all of our senses, and still takes care of them. The ability to work is a gift of God. But like all gifts, they can be abused or misused. I am oftentimes amazed how, what, how much time people will spend avoiding work. It comes natural to all of us. People will spend hours and hours and hours plotting how to cheat on a test when they could have just studied for the test. I have a broken fence post in my backyard. I have planned and worked untold hours trying to find an easy way to get this rotten hunk of wood that is stuck three foot in the ground out without digging a hole and removing it. I know I have spent at least three times as much time trying to figure out an easy way to do it than actually doing the work. My friends, it comes natural to all of us because we are sinners by nature. We avoid work at all costs. God's word is clear. Laziness is a sin. God's word is clear. Slothfulness is a sin. You know, I've seen many things over the last four months when our world was turned upside down with this pandemic. But one of the things that I have seen is an amazing increase in laziness. Avoiding work has now become an art form. It is nothing for people to spend 6, 8, 10, 12 hours a day on Netflix or social media. Why? Well, I don't have to go to work. I don't have to go to work. Well, aren't there other things that you could do? Yes, but I don't have to go to work. had a recent conversation with a young man who was telling me how much fishing he had gotten done over the last four months. And I said, don't you have a job? And he said, well, I have a job, but right now I'm on unemployment. Okay. They called me to come back to work, but I would be a fool to come back to work because I make $300 a week more not working than I do working. He looked at me and said, why in the world would I want to work? 
Without skipping a beat, I looked him in the eye and said, oh, I don't know, how about integrity? He rolled his eyes. I thought about that conversation a lot in the last couple of weeks, and I wish I would have answered it differently. Oh, I wasn't wrong. It is a matter of integrity. But it's more than that. It's a matter of being a Christian. A Christian does not avoid work. Now, it doesn't mean a Christian can't take a vacation or retire or anything like that. But it doesn't mean you stop working. God has given you your gifts, talents, abilities, your reason, and your senses. And whether you are working for a paycheck or reading stories to preschoolers, work is a gift of God. Solomon teaches us in Ecclesiastes that it is good for the man to work hard. Because then he will sleep well. Sometimes it's just that simple. It's just that simple. You know, there's an opposite end to that coin. The opposite end to avoiding work or being sinfully lazy or slothful. And that is making work our God. Where work becomes the most important thing in our life. Everything else has to come in second. Spouse, family, church, everything. Because work has now become my God. My friends, hard work is good. And work is a gift of God. But work is not God. I had a man tell me one time, you know, Pastor, I hear you talking about, you know, God needs to come first. But let's be honest. We all know work has to come first, right? If I don't work, I can't support my family. If I don't work, I can't pay my taxes. And then he looked me right in the eye and he says, and you know, Pastor, if I don't work, I can't put money in the collection plate. How we try to justify our actions and our sin, even prostituting God and his word in the process. My friends, if your work gets in the way of being able to be a good husband or a good uh, parent or a good member of the congregation, you need to have a talk with your boss. And if that doesn't work, you need to change jobs. When you have an opportunity to move with a promotion in your work or an opportunity, the first thing you should ask is, is there a good, solid Lutheran congregation for me and my family to attend and receive the gifts of God? And if not, and if you are not willing to start one in your house, 
Don't move. Don't take the job. My friends, God's word is clear. And yet, so often, we abuse and misuse the gifts of God. Good friend of mine, now sainted, Clement Preuss, pastor, founder of the Higher Things Youth Organization. He used to say this line over and over and over again. The problem with Lutherans, we work at our play, we play at our worship, and we worship our work. Hear that again. We work at our play. We play at our worship. And we worship our work. With that understanding in mind, the model for higher things was created. When you go to church, you worship. When you're doing a service project or studying God's Word, you work hard. And when there's a break, you play and you play hard. It's a pretty good model for life. My friends, work is a gift of God. And too many times we have abused or misused this gift. We've been lazy, we have been slothful, we have been selfish, and we have been idolatrous. God calls all of us to repentance. He calls all of us to examine how we use the gifts, talents, and abilities that God has given us, including the ability to work. The unemployment rate in our country is sky high. Drive around Lincoln. There are dozens and dozens and dozens of help wanted signs. Ask around. People don't want to work. My friends, what's the answer? Well, there's only one answer. And that answer is always the same. That answer is Jesus. Jesus was given a job, a work, a vocation. The Father sent the Son to work out our salvation. Thank God Jesus didn't decide that he didn't feel like working. Jesus, in full and complete obedience to the will of the Father, took on flesh and blood, fulfilled all of God's words, every one. He completed his task, his work. He let nothing be unfinished and undone. 
He went all the way to Calvary's cross, bleeding and dying, but his work was not done there. Three days later, he rose from the dead, never to die again. His forgiveness, life, and salvation is poured out on you in the waters of holy baptism for your apathy or indifference toward work, for your laziness and your slothfulness, for your idolatry and workaholism, for all of your sins and more, Jesus says, my son, my daughter, your sins are forgiven. Remember what Jesus told the woman at the well? Remember what Jesus told the woman caught in the act of idolatry? Go and sin no more. How could Jesus say that? Because he's the one that gives us a new heart, a new will, a new spirit to hear his word, to believe his word, and to follow his word. May God instill in us hearts of thankfulness for the opportunity, big or small, for a paycheck or in volunteer service or in the household, to find enjoyment and love and thankfulness in our work. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all understanding, keep our hearts, our minds, our lives, our work, in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Having heard the word of God, we are bold to sing our offertory and give thanks for that new heart which God promises to give. Page 192, we stand. <laughs>